what a joy to be back in the house. Alex is just freshly tan from his European cruise. We're going to spend the first four and a half hours of the podcast today going day to day on the full itinerary of everything he did. Strap in to your life jacket for a trip to Funtown on a ship called My Story. Oh, I love it. Welcome. Hi, I'm Kenny <laughs> Stevenson. You. I'm Alex Enriquez. Hi, it's good to be back. It's so good to be back. This is Fan Controlled Fandom. Uh, I did one show by myself. I was going to do a second show by myself, and I was like, I can't. So we're back now. We are back, and we are back, like, just face first into the Cape space. Like Kanye West on a boat, <laughs> we are face first. <laughs> Like Kanye West's girlfriend on a boat, we are leaping face first into, into the, the cave space. <laughs> that and was if a you con- don't know what that is, look it up. That was a pre-show conversation. Um, this is all content where people wear capes. They uh, they're flying around fighting crime. They are flying through space. Uh, they're standing uh, in front of a giant space map, like Ray Stevenson does at the end of episode three of Ahsoka, which is what we're talking about today, baby, in the cape best, space. Best cape in all of Star Wars, fight me. Oh, I love all these takes. We're gonna, we're definitely gonna touch on that. But speaking of t- first, we gotta touch on the quick pieces of nerd news. It's quick hits, point to the sky. Here we go, baby. Quick, 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 quick hits. Yeah. Yes. Nothing revs my engines more than you and I just staring each other down and pointing at the sky to nothing. But you folks at home or at the gym or wherever you're listening to this, the laundromat, uh, you get to hear this lovely just ear explosion. (laughs) Yeah. With the quick hits. Yeah. Anywho, good. We are congratulations. Congratulations. We're well into the hundreds in terms of days of the writer strike. We are in day, it's 48 of the actor strike. And so we are really getting into the portion of the quick hits where it is like we are starting to shut shit down. And I'm here for it. Uh, 100%. Biggest, yeah. Get out there. Solidarity. Let's go. Pay us like you. Pay us what we pay us what we want, which is not much. We're talking about percentage points, literally like the same stuff that like David Zaslav uses to you know to pay someone to like clean his gutters. That's what we're asking for. Oh, Although but, he probably but, pays that person pretty poorly, but you know you know well, what I mean. What I'm trying to get what, at. What about their fiduciary duty to their shareholders to generate oh uh, you know infinite value, Kenny? What about what about that fiduciary? Ugh. <laughs> anyway, biggest news coming out of the fandom space and just coming out of just strike news in general is the fact that we had talked, we had teased this, that this might happen. This is for sure happening. Dune two has been pushed. Dune part two, I think is the actual title has been pushed to, uh, 2024. This is no longer a a film that is going to be coming out this year. It was supposed to come out in uh, November. It's now been pushed to March 15th. And this is, specifically because of the strike because you can't have anybody unless you get a waiver apparently the new uh adam driver michael mann movie ferrari premiered at venice the venice film festival this morning apparently and they got a waiver and so adam driver is literally there 
but um, they, you know, I don't think that they wanted to get a waiver. And so we're going to have to wait until next year to see the continuation of the story of Paul Atreides. BT dubs, I finished the book. So, hey, nice. Yeah, I know where we're going here. It's, uh, I, you know, it, it, it's, it features a lot of sand, is what I hear. And there's uh, just, that's the rumor. I mean, it's like, it's kind of implied in the title, but yeah, a lot of sand, a lot of mm. sand in the rest of the movie. Mm. Yeah, but this is, this is specifically, there was no announcement, basically, there was no announcement saying as such, but this is being pushed because of the strike, period. End of story. I'm I'm very I shouldn't be but you know this is a great opportunity for everybody to realize how important the promotional capability of a star is in the marketing of a motion picture unless something has its own momentum like Barbenheimer nobody's getting the word out about anything and everything is suffering stuff that you know I what this the the stray dog movie strays is yeah. out and and is crashing miserably, which would have been helped by the leads being themselves out on yeah. these big talk shows. Literally, and- like Will. F- I mean, it could have been Jamie Foxx's like first appearances since his like whatever mysterious illness. That would have been like major news to him to be out on like Conan. No, Conan, jeez, Louise, he hasn't been no. on the air for like two years. <laughs> 1998 so, called Kenny. They, you know, they want their Jamie, TV show back. Jamie Foxx could go on Carson and make something happen. Uh, <laughs> no, you know, you could, you know, if you have him on doing the circuit, Kimmel and Colbert, and you know, that it makes a difference. You're hundred percent right. Especially a movie that's specific counter programming like strays. But when you have a giant film like this, that they've invested a lot of money in, you know, you can't just, you can't take that risk. And I think it does it. I'm glad it shows that um, our worth, not just from the bottom of the line, people like you and I, who my, <laughs> we get, we got residual checks this week. My wife got three residual checks under a dollar. Woof. <laughs> and it's like under, under 50 cents. Some of them were even less than the fucking postage part of my French, but it's cool to see that what our power is, from you know number 35 on the call sheet all the way to number one on the call sheet it's it is a further investment in the success of the product they're supposed to they're supposed to be ensuring the quality of and the longer they let this this strike go the longer you can make the argument that they're failing in their fiduciary duty that i brought up that that you know it all comes back to the fiduciary bad faith negotiating like telling us you know, calling us back to the table and going, you really should accept this offer. This is the best, you know, like to be scolded as, as it's been claimed happened in one of the, the last meetings. Uh, you know, it's like unconscionable, but it's, it, it is, uh, I think we've got a lot of strength. We've got a lot of power. We got a lot of momentum right now. Yeah. Let's go. Uh, yeah, LFG. There's some, uh, LFG. There's some other titles that we're going to be talking about that have, uh, have also been delayed that are in the Cape space. But uh, some other things that are all some other some other non Cape Space titles, Cape Space adjacent with some of these. Uh, some of these are definitely Cape Space. At Sony is the only other major studio to delay. Uh, they pushed back Craven the Hunter, which is in the Sony universe of Marvel Spider Man characters. I said Spider Man. Spider Man. Yeah, yeah, my name is Jack Spider Man. I'm here to <laughs> I'm here to be your neighborhood or whatever. 
hey, uh, Frank Spiderman, here to uh, fix your faucets. Um, <laughs> no, we pushed Craven, the Hunter, and Ghostbusters Afterlife, and they've uh, Sony has also removed Spider-Man Beyond the Spider-Verse from the release calendar. So those are three major titles from the Cape Space that we don't know when they're coming out. Um, however, we are releasing Equalizer 3 this weekend. Uh, other big titles that are still have not been pushed that are still supposedly going to be staying on track when one of them we're going to be talking about in a little bit. The Marvels is still supposed to be coming out in November and Wonka is also supposed to be coming out uh, this December as well. Some titles that are up in the air, according to Variety, are The Color Purple, which is not a remake of the Steven Spielberg movie. It's a um, the uh, movie adaptation of the musical, which I have seen and it's fantastic. So I'm excited to see that, but that's probably going to be pushed. And of course, Cape Space adjacent or Cape Space, you know, middle of the road, high, whatever, like proper Cape Space. We haven't done a show together in a week it's or two. Good. I'm, it's I'm still, f- it's still coming together. It. <laughs> we're finding <laughs> Aquaman and the Lost Kingdom is still supposedly coming out in December 20th. That's the kind of thing where I don't feel like Warner Brothers is like trying to find a way to give that its best footing. They're trying to, if they could sneak that out on like, a, you know, Hey, it's on Discovery Plus for three hours, and that counts as a release. <laughs> hey, we reopened the old Tower Records on Sunset, and there's four ah! Aquaman 2 VHSs in there. FYC, good night. Good night, baby. <laughs> Fantastic. Um, so we have some other, uh, another, I said tease, there was another uh, movie that's being pushed. I didn't even know this. The reason why I gave this separately is, is I didn't even know that this was like, I had heard they were going to make another Lord of the Rings movie. And I knew it was as that it was going to be at Warner brothers because they were trying to counter what Amazon was doing with the felt the, um, it's not the fellowship of the rings. It's the rings, the rings of, of power. power because Amazon has everything Tolkien except the Silmarillion. And then Warner Brothers, I still believe, has the film rights specifically to the books. So they were making a movie called Lord of the Rings, The War of Rohirrim. And it was supposed to come out in April of 2024, which is like next year, which would imply that this thing was already shooting, which it wasn't. And so now that got pushed to December 13th of next year. And I have to think that this is not even going to come out in 2024 i gotta think this is probably going to come out 2025 because they haven't oh i'm sorry it's an animated feature so yeah maybe maybe it is going to. what in the uh, sure okay here, I, i'll give it to you it's is what it is i have the details here this is why i was i thought i was under the impression they were going to try to make another live action movie this is supposed this is going to be an anime feature so um you know we're talking uh japanese animation kenji Kamiyama is set. This is set 183 years before the events chronicled in the original New Line Lord of the Rings trilogy. So that's why supposedly this still falls under the wing of what they have ownership of. And it centers the fate on the house of Helm Hammerhead, the mighty king of Rohan, who is going to be voiced by Brian Cox, he of succession. Other cast is Gia Wise, Miranda Miranda Otto, Lorraine Ashbourne from Bridgerton, Yazdan Kofori from I Came By. A bunch of people you don't know. They're all British people. Um, Yeah, this was something that is, I guess, 
I don't know why we need to push this. I don't know unless maybe this is like, maybe this is having some production issues. And so they just decided to lump it in and say, it's to the writers. And everyone's like, well, it's animated. What do you need? Oh no, it's definitely because of the strike. It's the, the, it's so weird. I'm like, who is this for? Where was it going to go? What, what and why? And, and, and why have we, I mean, Marvel was sliced up this thin for a long time too. I mean, the, the idea that, the mutants and mutant adjacent characters were all, you know, siloed off to Fox at one point for the film rights, which, which also split the character Quicksilver in two so that the MCU and 20th century Fox could both use their own character at the same time. Like I, I I, like it, it, it almost makes it not worth knowing any of this stuff. Like, I wish I could just go and like, Hey, look, they did the thing from the other thing. I like, what is it? What is this one? Is it just it or, you know, like, yeah, it's, I will say that, you know, I was a, I'm a fan of the fellow, the rings of power show. I thought it was really fun. And I think the reason why that show works as opposed to just like trying to draw blood from the stone, you know, a lot of these things like, Oh, we've got, there's two pages of this appendices of this book and let's make a whole movie based on that. It's like, okay. The reason why I think, the rings of power works is because it's just it's so far away from like it's this is thousands of years before fellowship we don't even have hobbits we have harfoots who are like the predecessors the evolutionary predecessors of hobbits proto hobbits. so you get like they're exactly they're proto hobbits so but you know it's so far away and there it is based in lore and there is like appendices stuff but it's like because it's so far you can kind of it's it's operating in the space but it's its own thing you know i mean i, Where, I to tie it into some thoughts i have about ahsoka i i would say that that oof, distance we go, that yeah. it strikes i think that where rings of power exists is where uh, Ahsoka is going to take us and where um, separately the next project Acolyte is also going to take place in these unexplored boundaries. I mean, Acolyte's going to be our first live action um, portrayal of the High Republic period, which is 100, 200 years before the prequels. Yes, it might even be more. It might be like and, 200. Like, well, I think it's 250. I think it's so. Yeah, well, you were right. Anyway, we're we're getting there. You know, it's yeah, okay. Yeah. It's 14 minutes but, in. We still got plenty I, of show left. <laughs> I agree with you that the ability to ex- to keep the same aesthetic, vibe, and style that people love about a thing, but com- explore new angles of it, is really exciting and interesting. And I think Rings of Power does that in a way I would just guess that Rings of Rohirrim or whatever is is <laughs> the War of Rohirrim. Was, or it's that's basically looking up its own ass that's like by design looking up its own ass and whatever sure sure at this point just make sure the cotton candy tastes nice okay yeah i mean don't get me wrong i'll totally i'll see this movie but it's a little weird that it i mean i was assuming that it got pushed because it was live action there's no reason why an animated film should get pushed unless it's just a production thing but to like to to blame it on unless you weren't unless you weren't done recording voices but you usually have the voices recorded first to put an anim, an animatic together yeah unless you're unless you're going to make it like ninja turtles and let them improvise in the room which is what they did like you're you've recorded the voices way in advance <laughs> so i don't you know what i mean like it's weird it's it, sure like 
I've said it before, you know, that's the real, the, some of the real shames and the power disparities are made plain when this work stoppage can be used as a sort of investment opportunity and can be exploited to the studios and the producer's advantage with some of this stuff. Like you said, if this thing sucked and it was having problems, they were like, uh, let's find a way to clear the deck. They can just blame it on a work stoppage. Yeah, which is like, which is just another, like you said, it's them just kind of showing their ass about like how much this is actually affecting them. You know, because if they need to do reshoots, if it is a matter of like, oh, we need to do a big shift here. We need to have Brian come in and record some more stuff. Oh, what's that? Oh, he's in the union and he can't record and none of these people can record because they're all in the union that's striking. Oh, shoot. You know? Maybe maybe they had to come. They had to have him come back in because he kept calling Bilbo Shrek, and he kept saying, "Isn't this sh- this is a Shrek, this? right? Shrek? Do you? I saw him do an Fuck interview off, once. Shrek. I know. I God, God bless him. He's a, been acting forever and ever and ever. He's the he's the original Hannibal Lecter. I don't know if you know this mm-hmm. about Brian Manhunter. Yeah, original Hannibal Lecter. Just an it's an incredible performer. The last like eight years of his life, not even that, like six years of his life, he cannot walk down the street with somebody yelling him to fuck, yelling fuck off at him, which is part of my French hilarious. Like that's amazing. That that, like he, this is a man who's in his like late seventies, has been acting for probably fifty years, and could walk around totally inconspicuously, but now does you know arguably one of the best television shows of the last twenty years, and now just and like people. I, I guess he had a cameo for like a minute, but it was just, it was literally just people wanting him to like tell them to fuck off. <laughs> and I was I, like, dude. Yeah. Like him doing the becoming famous for fuck off while at, at the same time he's doing ba da ba 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 for McDonald's. Love that. Is, Love that for him too. I'm like, man, it, that that's, he's in, he's already an actor's heaven. He's already there. He made it. And it was oh, yeah. it, all that good work he did in advance. He, and ladies and gentlemen, I wish you could watch Kenny fight the articulating <laughs> arm of his microphone, this like is... St. George defeating a dragon. It is, it is truly something. The Leviathan <laughs> has emerged and it's a road clampable microphone, uh, articulating microphone arm that, that Kenny is mightily battling like, like some, it Greek is a losing battle. Hero. It is a losing battle that I am losing. Um, I hear. I think I found it. Uh, I think I found a spot. Here we go. Great. Um, it looks good. I'm going to cut out this news because I don't particularly care. This was added in it when I didn't think there was enough news, and so I don't care. Um, we talked briefly about the Rebel Moon on the last podcast we were together. This is the up and coming uh, Zack Snyder, who claims he already has a director's cut of this, which makes me go. <laughs> For the love of all that is holy. It, it's a Netflix movie, bro. You basically already get a, a director's cut. But that being said, you know what I mean? They're not stopping you. He's, you know, this isn't Warner Brothers. Just, this is Netflix, my guy. They're going to let you do whatever the hell you want, my man. He's basically saying there's a longer, worse version than what you're going to be able to see when it first comes out. <laughs> but that being said, we did get a trailer for this. Alex, did you get a chance to see the trailer for Rebel Moon? Uh, oh, I had... Plenty of chances. Plenty of chances. But you didn't. It, but you even, didn't watch it. I did not. I refused. I refused because I read a synopsis and I went, uh, "Yeah, I, I'm. I'm going to be the guy who read the synopsis of Star Wars and went, uh, haven't I seen this movie a million times before?' Because like, yeah, it, it, it's it just. I I can't wait to sit and watch it and go, and just 
page by page see his pitch deck to Lucasfilm in my head. Yeah, that's the the reason why I put this on here is because yeah, to me it's like you know I I've been fooled too many times by you. Like you know it's like it's like a trailer for a Michael Bay movie. It's like. I know this might look cool as a trailer, but I know that I'm going to get five minutes into this thing and be like, God damn it. But, and so that's how I feel about Zack Snyder trailers. I'm like, yeah, there's a lot of, a lot of cool looking stuff. But the reason why this stood out to me is, you know, the story, and we talked about this on the podcast before he, you know, had a huge pitch to Lucasfilm. There's even more details on that. Apparently it revolves around some sort of seven Jedi thing. That's supposed to be kind of like the seven samurai. Um, and uh, don't worry, it's my uh, there's stuff happening in the room. It's all good. I was um, not concerned. Well, here's the thing that I'm noticing when we do our podcast stuff that like we hear in the background when I like mix it together, you don't hear it. So you know it's all good. Anyway, um, there's things in this trailer that just look like Star Wars. Like it's like it's it looks like space. Like normal space Guga, and then at some point people start fighting with like light swords, and I'm like, okay, <laughs> come on, bro. Like, just because Lucas said no to you, and then you turned to Sarandos, and Sarandos was like, whatever, here's five hundred million dollars. I'm gonna you go off and make your Star Wars movies, Zack Snyder, and it's just like you gotta like you gotta take it a little bit outside. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, it, it's very much just like Star Wars. This is my Star Wars movie. <laughs> I, I like to think that Ted Sarandos came to Zack Snyder and said, look, I'll say yes, but only if you promise me a director's cut. We need it from you, Zach. We, Zachary, I'm looking at you. You can call me Theodore. Director's cut. Oh, you could call me. You could call me Teddy S. Teddy's. You can call me Teddy's. <laughs> Teddy two time. Sarandos. Sarand. Oh, my God. Well done there. That's fantastic. Teddy two times. Good old Teddy two times over here at Netflix that I got to make a director's cut of my movie that I'm already, that's already, first of all, the runtime of this thing is going to be like seven full hours. Like there's oh, no way yes. he's not like, and then the director's cut is, you know, he, him and Cameron are these guys who are like, oh, I've got a cut of my movie. That's 11 hours long. Like, yeah, he's like, they're, they're proud of it. Like my avatar five is going to be the full gestational period of a human baby. <laughs> I've been making Zoe. I've had Zoe Saldana trapped in this mocap suit for <laughs> seventeen full years of her life. <laughs> she smells Sigourney, terrible, and it's not her fault. Sigourney Weaver died while making a, a <laughs> Avatar Seven because she was ninety-six years old, and I still made her play a child in a mocap suit. <laughs> Luckily, I actually had them invent that soul tree from the movie. So we just <laughs> uploaded her. We just uploaded her. Yep. She's going to be playing a child in Avatar related films for the next 400 years. Um, yeah. So, you know, I, I'm, I'm sure we'll talk about it on this show because it seems like there's going to be no other movies out at Christmas time than this movie because they're all going to be pushed. Uh, so, you know, we'll be able to talk about how, how Star Warsy this is. It'll be easy for us to say, is it Star Trek or Star Wars? Because it's very clearly trying to be Star Wars. Uh, can I um, throw something at you? The, the headline. Throw it, as long it as you fails, throw it hard. Uh, the Empire Strikes Zack. And that'll be Holy either. Holy shit. That's amazing. Either it's if you're a, if it's a success or a bomb that I think people will deploy that headline. I love that. You know, here's a piece of Dune news I forgot to mention in the Dune being pushed. Uh, Dune it to me. Dune it to you. So in an interview with uh, Empire Magazine, which. Uh, you know, Denny, Dennis Villanueva, he can talk, 
he could talk about the movie all he wants because the DGA signed their <laughs> signed their deal. So he's talking about Dune. And he said, if I succeed in making a trilogy, that would be the dream. And then he said, I will say there are words on paper. So that he said Dune Part Three. So this is definitive. So if you read the books like I have now, uh the first book is separated into three parts. However, Dune Part Two is, you know, Dune Part One kind of got halfway through almost Dune the second book. And then so Dune Part Three would actually be based on Dune Messiah, the direct Dune sequel by Frank Herbert. So, you know, if you know there that's why we're waiting till March to let Dennis do his thing so Dennis can make more of these. Yeah, Danny Quesadilla, the inscrutable <laughs> Frenchman, is <laughs> Danny I, I, Quesadilla. I, I I follow him unto death. He's like, let him just let him cook like the sands of Arrakis, baby. Yeah, we gotta get all them peeps. We gotta get, we gotta get the Lados. We gotta get oh P- Paul. We gotta get Jessica. I gotta we, say, we, I'm excited to talk about Ahsoka because their kid showed up, and that's let's save it. But I was very excited because I remember what that kid's name is, and it's so great when it's like Ahsoka, Hera, Sabine, <laughs> Billy, and that kid comes. It's fantastic. Anyway, we'll talk about it in a second. Alex, do you have any sort of tie to the Highlander movies? Uh, I watched them. I was astounded by a Scotsman playing an Egyptian who was from Spain. Uh, as I know, incredible Sean, stuff. Sean incredible Connery stuff did. from Sean Connery in these movies. They, the fact that they got Connery to come back and do the sequel, which the fact that he is in it, I think, is the only way they were able to get distribution. Like The sequel is like made, is like borderline like a i don't want to say like a cinemax movie because it's not like a skinemax movie but you know how like remember when like in the 80s and 90s hbo and cinemax would sometimes have like hey we got a world premiere of a movie that's exclusively on hbo and it would always be some garbage film they couldn't get distribution for right that's what highlander 2 the quickening would have been but they somehow i don't know if they like kidnapped his wife or whatever they got sean connery to do the sequel fantastic in it i did not know this was happening but apparently uh chad stileski the person who uh directed several of the john wick movies has signed on to direct a reboot of highlander and henry cavill is attached to star in the movie which this was like things obviously this all happened before the strike, but I had no idea this was even happening, but apparently it's going to be a bit of a prequel to the original Highlander movie. So, I mean, you got the guy from, uh, John wick I'm here for, and Henry Cavill, which we have not talked about the Witcher. Are you, have you watched the Witcher at all on Netflix? I've not witched the watcher. It's, I don't know if it's your kind of bag because it's definitely got some ooh scary stuff in it. There's monsters. He's a literal monster killer. Uh, it's great. And he's freaking wonderful in it. Like so much better. Like he's basically playing <laughs> the Zack Snyder Superman, but properly like, you know, a brooding brute who grunts and only says one or two things is way more applicable to, you know, a medieval monster hunter than Superman. 
Uh, it's great. I, so I dig to me, that. when I read I this, I'm that. like, when I read that this is happening, I'm like, I love it. Give Henry Cavill a sword all goddamn day. Yeah, yeah. It's not like uh, Chris Lambert was some Shakespearean <laughs> actor. You know, he's a he's a grunt and scowler as well. Those two guys. If we could get, if we could just roll out Lambert's corcus, corcus, carcass. <laughs> <laughs> Holy shit! What a word! What a word! Christopher Lambert's corcus. <laughs> Holy cow! Oh my god! If that's this not is... your next fantasy football team name, I think you've gone really wrong. Holy shit! This is the stuff I miss, baby. When you're oh. out of town, like if I say Christopher Corcus, Christopher Lambert's Corcus, and I'm podcasting with myself, I just sound like a totally. I sound like a person, an unhinged person, you know, screaming into the void. But with you to bounce it off, it's great. I, man, you know, it makes it makes me feel like I'm still on Ohana, which means island time in my heart, just to be Ohana, in baby. this space with you. I love it. A couple pieces of news. I got we got we're going to end on some uh, James Gunn garbage, but uh, we got there is a rumor. So one of the movies we mentioned that is still going to be coming out, coming out in November. I, I feel like this has to still come out because there's just too many promotional ties. Like I'm already getting like things advertised to me that are tying into this movie and they just kind of have to which is the marvels a movie that we have said many times that we are excited about it looks really great uh apparently the rumored runtime of this movie is going to be the shortest of any mcu movie to date it's going to be an hour and 38 minutes which makes me think two things my immediate reaction is uh oh That's my immediate reaction because these movies are traditionally like 14 and a half hours long. Like the the number one criticism of most of the phase four movies is that they're too long with the exception of uh, Thor love and thunder, which should have been longer. So I'm a little bit like, Oh boy, whoopsie daisy. But I'm still, you know, there's plenty of great movies that exist in an hour and a half space and the ones that work are action movies. So I don't know. We'll see. I don't, I'm a little, I'm a little concerned. Are you concerned? (laughs) It does concern me. Yes. But if, if it was a, if it could be that this was a focus of the creative team to deliver something punchy, fun, upbeat, action oriented and funny. um, I, I don't think that, I think a little brevity could be a good bellwether for the rest of the, the Marvel universe going forward. If sure, if this, if indeed it wasn't, Hey, we got to scrap that extra hour we had on there. Cause the audience has really hated it. Yeah, totally. I, my thing is like, there's definite, like I said, there's, there's ways this works. I mean, every character in this, there's no introductions. You don't have to make intros to any of these people. They all, if you want to get their intros, watch their shows where they're introduced or watch the first movie of Captain Marvel. So we don't need to do a lot there. And if we're going to hinge it on the like fun conceit that we're getting from the trailer, which is they're going to be switching and flipping and flapping flip. I love me a good flip flop. Um, as, if that's the conceit and we're just going to ride that and we're not going to go too deep into the characters. This could totally work, but I'm definitely like concerned for sure. <laughs> I, I think that everything, everything at this point is so so outside the realm where it's an automatic slam dunk that it's okay to be concerned. Sure. But 
you know, I think I think we're in for a good time. I think we're in good hands, and I think I think we're going to be fine as long as the final twenty minutes of that are, you know, a series of post credit sequences that explain the recasting of Jonathan Majors. I think we'll be good. Yeah, well, I think that's coming in Loki. So <laughs> there's definitely going to be like the final episode. I don't of know Loki. why Siri just deployed. Hold on a second, Siri, Alex. I do not understand Jonathan Majors. That was my impeccable Siri impression. Wow, that was wild. I don't know why she just did that. Anyway. I... Anyway, all right. Gird, gird your loins, because it's about to get stupid. Okay. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. So, this is the headline. Calls to fire James Gunn hit web after resurfaced anti-Batman posts from a decade ago. Uh, yeah here we go just here's all you need to know about where this story is going okay and this is because i want i want us to get real negative so we can just keep it all positive on the positive vibes the whole rest of the show okay yeah let's uncork let's uncork this bad wine uncovered by twitter user snyderverse The tweets in question show James Gunn's utter contempt for some of the most popular movies in the Batman franchise. On Burton's 1989 blockbuster, he wrote, The Tim Burton Batman is poorly written. The soundtrack is the worst work of everyone involved, and it's absolutely one of the most boring films ever. Okay. (laughs) He's not wrong on the the first count. (laughs) Well, I think the soundtrack's pretty great. Also, it's his freaking opinion! Who gives a, an F? Who cares? It's his opinion. Yeah. He doesn't have yeah. to like. Doesn't have to like the movies. Who who cares? Anyway, he went on to say that the reveal of the Joker being responsible for the murders of Thomas and Martha Wayne was a nullification of the bottomless thirst for vengeance that necessarily drives Batman. That's true. He also yeah. concludes saying, and on top of everything, the dark creature of the night can't even move his fucking neck. <laughs> Give me an effing break! It's ridiculous, awful film. Burton's Planet of the Apes is genius in comparison. Now that is a wild take. That I will say is wild. That the Tim Burton Planet of the Apes is the Mark Wahlberg Planet of the Apes, if you don't recall. The one in which Mark Wahlberg, a la uh, Samuel L. Jackson in the final episode of Secret Wars, uh, gives an open mouth kiss to a a person in a goofy face makeup. But anyway. He's he's not wrong because it, it, you know, it made a bunch of money, but really it's Tim Burton being Tim Burton. It's not Batman. It's an aesthetic. And Nolan's movies are so much more successful because it's about theme. It's about. Well, hold on. Uh, about large. James, okay, yeah. James Gunn didn't stop his rants with Bat with Tim Burton. He went on to say about the Christopher Nolan trilogy. And listen, I have problems with both of Nolan's films. This is from like 11 years ago. So the second one, the third one hadn't come out yet. I don't think either one is a classic. I don't even really think Batman Begins is good, but they are far superior to the first Batman. C, none of your defenses get by the fact that despite being the first cinematic dark take on Batman, so what? Stallone's Judge Dredd was the first take on Judge Dredd. The movie is awful. Okay. Um, So these tweets came out, and of course, the Snyderverse heads are now wanting him to be fired from (laughs) head of DC. Because apparently you can't have opinions about things previously to becoming the president of those things. You know, you know, 
I don't know if this is a real thing or not, but there there's that story that uh, police would advertise, would send letters to people who were like tax cheats or 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 uh, child support dodgers, and they'd send those addresses like, "Hey, free Super Bowl tickets, just come to this address," and then arrest people when they showed up. Like, I think I mean, these like stories ICE does with freaking immigrants. We learned that this week. Anyway, continue. Oh, oh boy. Well, we need to start doing it for Zack Snyder fans. So if like if we if this if certain level of engagement with this. Uh, a, a certain level of and kind of engagement with this story would cause the person to be put in literally just in federal prison until we could figure out how to <laughs> shoot a laser into their brain to fix what's wrong with them. Cause like, uh, like, like, like the, uh, like from the Batman forever with the TVs that the, the Jim Carrey Joker Riddler like zoomed into yeah. your head and brain. That's what we need to make happen. We need to put them in the real, you know, like like make them think that they're that they're getting the world that they want or whatever until we can figure out an island situation or maybe a rocket ship in space. Just like kind of put everybody away, you know. Well, if they're all on Twitter, which let's be real, they all are because that place is just now a, just a full blown wasteland. Uh, you know, we could probably, you know, they can go on Elon's rocket, you know, to quote unquote Mars. And, you know, there we go. Done. It's it's uh, it's going to be so cool when all of the Musk dickheads leave on a rocket. It's going to be it's it's going to be like L.A. during Coachella, but for the Earth. <laughs> I love that. I love that for all of us. And that's the quick <laughs> hit, baby. Uh, oh. We're on the fan controlled sports entertainment network, fan controlled TV feed. Uh, this is our one piece of sports news from Kenny and Alex. Alex, I miss. Heading out to the track, even though I have to do a lot of work on the movie Gran Turismo. So I'm going to be just inundated with racing for the next couple of weeks. But take us out to the racetrack, please. Well, luckily, this is a completely, almost completely foreign type of racing than the the type you're going to be seeing in Gran Turismo. Because we're, we are talking about the open wheel formulas of racing and not world endurance or sports car. Uh, and IMSA Whatever you just said. Classes. Sure, I believe you. Um, <laughs> but of course... We we're two we're we're heading into a, the second race after the uh, mid midsummer silly season break, and we're of course barreling at full speed toward the Formula One Pirelli Grand Premio d'Italia 2023. And uh, in advance of that, uh, uh, we have news that McLaren driver Lando Norris um, he takes issue uh, sometimes with how he comes across when the broadcast will choose selections from his team radio messages to play live over the broadcast. Um, and uh, he, 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 he thinks that the, uh, the radio sometimes makes him look like an idiot. I always sound like I'm crying or moaning on the radio. I don't know why. I hate it. Actually, I'm going to just do this as he probably said it. Uh, okay. He doesn't like the, the radio coverage. Makes him look like an idiot. I always sound like I'm crying or moaning on the radio. I don't know why. I hate it. I feel like I'm really relaxed and chilled in the car, but then I'm always the opposite when I listen to myself after. So that was uh, from Lando Norris uh, in advance of this week's Formula One Pirelli Grand Premio d'Italia 2023. Back to you, Kenny. I love it. I'm going to take us all the way. Get in. Let's get get your passport right back out, Alex, because we are going Ooh. to the we are going to the Philippines for the FIBA Federation of International Basketball Association World Cup, where the United States is playing against 32 other teams to to uh, win the World Cup, and World Cup actually will get Olympic qualification for whoever wins. Um, USA team is younger. It's all still NBA stars, but I want to point out one current Laker. Austin Reeves, who is uh, an undrafted uh, player out of the University of Oklahoma, who has taken over the hearts and minds of those in the Philippines, coming off the bench, averaging around 15 or 16 points a game, 
to cheers. Every time the man touches the ball, the entire country of the Philippines screams and yells. He does all kinds of wonderful things, which I've seen him do for the Lakers for the past two years. And now, not just the other American basketball players, but the world is seeing it too. That's my piece of sports news. I love I should it. Say, I'm encouraged. I, should say, I should say USA is undefeated in their pool and has already advanced into the knockout round. So, of course. And they had three, three wins over New Zealand, a big win over Greece, which... I did not tell my wife being a Greek person, but she doesn't really care about basketball. So it's fine. And, uh, and, a, a Jordan, we beat Jordan, uh, yesterday morning here in the States. Just, and he, it was, it's ironic. He was playing by himself and still in his mid sixties, he was able to score 80 points against the entire USA team, but they did, they did come out on top. Um, <laughs> it was USA versus Michael Jordan. Michael Jordan. Was, yeah. Who has, I'm sure the Jordanese people appreciate the fact that you disrespect their country in a joke that they've probably heard hundreds of times. And as someone who's named Kenny and has definitely heard the joke that they've killed Kenny, and you're definitely not the per- first person to say it to me, I'm sure people in Jordan feel the same way. Well, look, I, I, they can write to me and I will ignore it. That's great. Alex, you've had... I'm internationally, I assumed, you know, you never stop working, even when you're on vacation. I assumed when you were on the waters of the Mediterranean, you were still pounding those waters hard for corporate sponsorship. Alex, who's our sponsor for the show this week? Indeed, island time is golden time, and I made the most of it. <laughs> I, I, made a, I met a man on the ship. Uh, I was on a cruise with the uh, the Virgin Voyages, and this is a frequent cruiser. His name's Spanish Nick, and he has the all night party cabin. He just he kind of likes to spread the word, so he bought some advertising time on the show to to you know let others know if they're on a Virgin Voyages cruise to come by Spanish Nick's all night party cabin. It's in one zero two five four A near the aft elevators on deck ten, uh, three knocks, and you're in. Uh, I asked him if he if he was really Spanish, and he winked at me and he said, uh, "I'm." half presbyterian on my mother's side so spanish nick invites you to deck to room 10 a and he says please come but he spelled it c-u-m-b <laughs> like this, benny cumbies i love it um benny cumbies so it's that spanish nick's all night party cabin on the virgin voyages cruise i gotta say there's a there's a pretty high probability you open that door to that room and he's just in there naked but i'm sure we're gonna find out more as we go Let's get in the let's get in the ghosts. Let's get in the phantom and let's make our way. I should have had the show, the synopsis up and I didn't. So we're going to have to do some killing of the time until I get We're going to talk about episode three of Ahsoka. And just broadly, Ahsoka Tano, of course, we're talking about the character introduced in the Clone Wars animated movie and TV series, who is the retconned uh you know padawan of anakin skywalker whose whose you know footprint in the star wars universe has only grown in the 15 or so years since she was introduced uh she's now a major uh linchpin character in a certain segment of the continuity that being the from the clone wars now into the post return of the jedi new republic uh pre-sequel trilogy era uh, her TV series is now on episode three of eight on the uh, the Disney Channel. I have Plus I, 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 I have this in, I have it up now. Are you good? Okay, I'm. I I went that blank was there for a second. Was I still mapping. talking? No, that was great. <laughs> and we should say we are about to talk about the show. If you haven't seen it, 
thanks for listening to the first 41 minutes of this podcast. But we're going we're gonna to spoil the whole episode. We're going to spoil a lot of Rebels in this episode. A lot of Rebels in this episode. So if you haven't watched Star Wars Rebels, heads up. We'll probably talk about, I don't know the era of the Empire. that I don't remember it that well, but I know you do. That's probably going to come up. But here we go. Episode 3, Part 3, Time to Fly, written by, Steph, uh, written by Dave Filoni, directed by Steph Green. When restarts her train, Ren, when? We're, get, we're getting there. We're going to get there at some point today, guys. Folks, it's happening. Ren, Sabine, restarts her training under Ahsoka and Hu Yang's guidance as she struggles with the, her inability to use the Force. Sindula, Hera, Sindula, meets with Mon Mothma, who is now the Chancellor of the New Republic, and a group of influential senators in order to gain permission to send Republic forces to Sados. Despite Mothma's support, the senators refuse to believe that Thrawn and Ezra Bridger are alive and deny Sindula's request. Having been informed of this by Hera, Ahsoka, Ren, and Hu Yang travel to Sados where they discover the Eye of Scion, but are intercepted by a squadron of fighters led by Haiti and Merrick as Elsbeth uses the lasers of the Eye of Scion to fire on them. The group escapes by flying through a pod of Purgle and land on the surface of Satos, where they take refuge in the forest as Hu Yang gives his full analysis of the Eye of Scion, which he classifies as a hyper-jump gate. However, Haiti is aware that they are hiding somewhere in the forest. As a result, Skull dispatches his forces to hunt them down. Alex, what'd you think of the episode? I'm, this is such a great show. I'm having such a good time with it. Um, thank you. Uh, it's not only is it great Star Wars, it's delivering on all the, the stuff that I want from that property. It's signaling to me that it is about to take some, it already has and will continue to take some big leaps in expanding Star Wars into new places that aren't contrived, that have been set up almost for decades in Legends continuity and in the current Filoni guided continuity. Um, I'm having a really, really great time with this show. It's I, I, I am stopping myself from going back and watching it again because I want more time to have a. I don't want to. I don't want to eat that amazing meal again just now because I'm excited for my second viewing. I, I am. Uh, yeah, it's it's really good, and the implications of where this is going to go are are really interesting to me, and I'm excited about what we're going to see next. I'm going to go on a curveball here from what you just said and say that this show, I'm kidding. It's great. I like it too. Um, uh, I like it a lot. I, one thing I am interested in, this is something I put on the sheet as well, is I would be interested to see, well, I'll just say my take on it, what I like. This episode to me, I think of the three we have gotten is probably like number three in terms of ranking, but they're all, the storytelling is you know a lot of these star wars shows that we've gotten and a lot of these you know mcu a lot of the disney plus shows that we've gotten have had like table setting episodes episodes where we are all we're just all we're doing is setting the table for something to happen which you need in a lot of these things because you know you're teasing characters and specifically this one you're you keep but the, the reason why I liked this one over other type of table setting episodes that we've seen in shows, including like last season of The Mandalorian, is it's a lot of the table setting is character based. Like the, the thing that when I'm watching this series is that whole opening sequence to training sequence with Sabine and Ahsoka is all, you know, we're literally like, you know, it's like that whole storytelling trope of like, 
you know, the journey. We're on the way. We're on the road to somewhere. This is the fellowship of the Fellowship of the Rings, Lord of the Rings. The There are so many stories in fandom that are all about, you know, most of Game of Thrones for the first four seasons is just people traveling places, you know? And, but the things that make those things work is the characters, the relationships. And the thing with that, this show that I'm just finding utterly fascinated and I'm just like dying to get more information on is the, is Sabine and Ahsoka's relationship. Because for those of you who don't know, and, um, I was going to say, I'd be interested. I put wrote this in the notes. I'd be interested to see somebody who has not watched Rebels and has no idea who Sabine Wren is or Hera, what their take is. And I am going to, my wife and I are going to rewatch. I, I started watching because I was just like, I can't, I can't wait for you. I want to watch this show. Yeah. yeah. I don't so, blame you. I don't blame you. But she wanted to finish the show that we were watching, which is The Great, which unfortunately just got canceled due to the strike, quote unquote. Great television show on Hulu. It's excellent. Anyway, um, I'd be interested to see, but the thing you don't know is that that even Alex and I don't know who we have poured through as much Star Wars content as possible is that at no point was Sabine Wren force sensitive at any point. In fact, there are whole episodes where she learns to wield the dark saber, which you might remember from the Mandalorian and taught by a Jedi, Kanan Jarrus, and she struggles with it. She has a hard time with it. So she definitely is not a force sensitive person. So we are this idea of, I need to know why, why, why did you decide to start training Sabine? Why did they think she could be a Padawan? Can, and like, and this episode specifically implies that potentially anybody, if done right, could harness the force. Would they be as great as a force user? I don't know. But this was like, this episode implied when she put the cup away from Sabine and was like, start small. And like, I just thought is because Ahsoka is outside of the Jedi. She's not a Jedi. Another fascinating thing I love about this show is that it's all the Jedi's quote unquote are all the people with lightsabers are not Jedi's. They're not Sith. They are like operating outside of the normal setup that we see people with laser swords. You know what I mean? <laughs> Outside of the orders, the established orders, but tapping in directly to a side, you know, clearly Ahsoka is a light side user. Uh, you know, uh, Skull and Hati are dark side users, and even even their lightsabers are are tweaked to to reflect that little bit of distance. But I, I think that the Sabine thing is part of what what I'm excited about the implications, the expansion of what we know and what, what the, the kinds of stories that can be told and then the world itself, because I think what is sensed in Sabine is that she has a connection to something and that maybe a Jedi or a Mandalorian wouldn't quite know what it was, but in the same way that Morgan Elspeth maybe has a connection to something, the night sisters and the, the night sisters of have a Ooh. connection to something then mm -hmm. we've we've already you know star wars has already been a science fiction world that was underpinned by a quote-unquote magic which was the force and now in dave filoni has made big swings in the animated world to expand that magic yes i was just gods, gonna say yep the uh the world between worlds um uh the bendu all of that in clone wars and rebels and the that material that he was kind of in in control of and now he's going to do it here. I think part of getting to this other galaxy that they're aimed at is 
getting in touch with another part of the force that lies outside, maybe outside of the light side, dark side binary, but definitely outside of the established orders of the Sith and the Jedi. Because it seems to me that the Sith and the Jedi realized that they came to a galaxy where they could use this power called the force and they just wanted to have control of that galaxy. I think that's how they're going to frame this whole thing. And I think that, I think uh, Ahsoka tuning into the force and finally saying, I'm going to give her what she needs is going to be what happens going forward. That, that the deepening of Sabine's talent is not going to be in the force per se, but in a magic because she has something. We see it in the training session. She can sense where Ahsoka is using something, but it's it might not be the force as we understand it. And yeah, the idea that Dave Filoni, through his very careful stewardship of whatever he's had had charge of, and also his own thoughts and approaches to this kind of material, he's able to wring something very interesting out. And I think it would I think it would be interesting to somebody who hasn't seen Rebels or gotten any of that set up too, because it just also feels just plumb middle of the bullseye like Star Wars. It just has it. Yeah, I I love everything you just said is like dead on. Because, yeah, if you watch Clone Wars, if you watch Star uh, Rebels, Dave Filoni took the force, this, like, this idea that was always presented to us in the, the movies as just kind of like magic. It's all around us, the force. And, you know, and it's even an expansion of kind of like the one of the things that I think most fans lament from the prequels is this midichlorian bullshit. But in those shows, yeah, he expands it out and we learn that the force, you know, there are force gods. There's a there's a light side and a mother. It's a mother. It's a father and a sister and a brother. And they're on a planet. And Ahsoka has actually had direct contact with them in the Clone Wars. And yeah, the, the Knight sisters have some sort of access to it because of uh, Asajj Ventress. Like, there, it's, there's just a lot of cool lore that exists that, and, you know, Dave Filoni can, can ease it in while we're also watching, you know, just cool actors being cool. And, you know, <laughs> like, the, 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 the training stuff is great. Uh, Jedi training to me is always fun. Let's just, let's do it. I, I appreciated that that it it's such I think that training sequence is such a a demonstration of what Lucasfilm is doing right in this phase of Star Wars in that the blend of technology and technique and filmmaking and special effects and all of that is so seamless and and tell you know we are seeing a repeat of a segment of a story that we've seen before we saw Luke and Obi-Wan do this uh, on the Millennium Falcon, this almost this exact same thing. It's retailored in the way so that it rhymes, but it reflects a different reality now. And the way that that you begin the session with this, like, oh, these are the forms. This is how a Jedi would learn to use their their lightsaber against this robot who every Jedi for five hundred years would have tested themselves against, and what that looks like, and just all the subtle little things how the how his holograms register the the saber strikes. Things like oh, that that so they fun. don't really call attention to, but it's just there. And even I, I don't know, even Hu Yang, Hu Yang, which I'm assuming is a hybrid uh, puppet, animatronic puppet, and some digital cleanup. No, that's David. Is... David Tennant in a full mocap suit. <laughs> really? No, I don't know. Oh, 
I, I, I mean, just it'd be amazing so, if it was. It was. It, it's all been so artfully combined that I, yeah. I, it really, I don't know. It's 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 really something special in a way that that stands up apart from Andor, as well, yes. which is special in its own way. Uh, but reflect they ref, they're reflecting two completely different thematic and genre feel uh, capabilities of the franchise. Yeah, like whereas Andor is first of all big big ups to David Tennant. You know the guy does like a two episode voice arc on Clone Wars, probably on like a on like a goof because they asked him to. He's like, oh yeah, I'll do it. And then whatever, cut to like ten years later, you're now like a the third person on the call sheet doing this stuff. Or maybe yeah, fourth, maybe under Mary Elizabeth Winstead. Um, amazing, amazing stuff. No, the thing that I think you you touched on is like Andor is the rebellion. Andor is the non-force using, exploring everything outside of the Skywalker saga that is the re- the rebellion. This is, I mean, I keep I wrote down like Masters and Apprentice is just an overarching theme of this show. It's an overarching theme of Ahsoka's character because her master was Darth friggin' Vader and and then now a, now Sabine is her apprentice and then they have this direct counter with height and scroll not scroll scroll skull skull got there but they are also a ma- clearly a master and apprentice and there is this dude like it's it's fascinating to me I don't want to say fascinating but it's just intriguing because um, the all of these people who in this ep- in this show are operating under master and apprentice, which is the traditional way of both the the Jedi and the Sith. The Sith always there's always two. There always has to be two, as I discussed in my awesome solo show that I did about the Twilight of the Apprentice, the best episode of Rebels. Anyway, um, but the fact that with these particular people are all doing it outside of the traditional norms like you know what i mean none of these people are actual they're not they're not sith skull and height are not sith but they're not jedi either but they're clear they're mercenaries like i just i'm it, i like this we can, we don't have to be bogged down by the forms of this if we're ever going to expand this thing out the way i think everybody would like it to go you know I agree with you. And I think that it's, it's, it's more like all of everything we mentioned before, Bendu, Mortis Gods, World Between Worlds, etc. All these things are aspects that exist outside of even a moral binary. They're just aspects and they don't, it isn't bad guy, good guy. It is just a, a usage of this resource that abounds called the force. And it seems that, that the, all that the duality of the Sith and the Jedi was set up to do is to create conflict. And anybody that could really tap into the higher forms of it would realize that and kind of shy away from it, maybe. I don't know. That's but it it's definitely Dave Filoni is definitely a far more thoughtful creative and creator than I think even George Lucas is. I think that the Oh the Absolutely the way he approaches this stuff and the way that he's able to take you know, George Lucas's pseudo political film babble and turn it into <laughs> intriguing genre material is pretty fantastic. And I yeah, think no, I think that 100%. more more of the more of the properties and IP 
that we love would do well to have a Filoni approach. I mean, I think that I think the MCU, frankly, is done with the phases where it need needed the Kevin Feige, and now it needs a Dave Filoni. That's let's why don't I mean they're at the same office. Why don't you just you know drop the drop the truck off and with a you know drop off the bags all the money and just say, Hey, can you walk 50 feet over to this other office here at Disney plus and fix I would, this? For yeah. us? I, I would, I would, Kevin, I know you're listening, but you know, make it, make it happen, buddy. If not Dave Filoni, a day, your Dave Filoni. Yeah. You know, oh, who is, I, I think that's a great idea. I, yeah, you know, because yeah. go ahead. There's, there's, I think we're, we're benefiting from a preciousness with which star Wars is handled that Marvel isn't. And, uh, I think it was because Disney got Marvel when it was already a galloping horse and star Wars is something that it can, it's been able to tight fist the whole time. Yeah. And there, there needs to be direction. And I think something that Dave Filoni has proven time and time again, is that he can move things. He can, he knows the space that he's operating in. He can build stories out, even in the smallest of, you know, the, the time between, uh, Attack of the Clones and Revenge of the Sith is only like two and a half years. It's not a big gap there. But he just, seven seasons of a television show, fully realized characters. By the time we get to season seven, those last four episodes of Clone Wars is like a, basically an Ahsoka story. They're fantastic. You could put it together as a movie and that would be 50 times better than the Clone Wars movie we got where they're taking Jabba the Hutt's baby, which was, I mean, holy <laughs> shit, what a movie that was. Holy cow. Um, I do want to say that Luke Skywalker, as we saw in the book of Boba Fett, is still like in the universe trying to start a Jedi school. And we did see Ahsoka at that school with Grogu. And at some point, will she go... All right, Sabine, it's time for you to go learn with Master Skywalker. I, I don't know. Like, I'm just, I guess my question is, do you think Luke's going to show up at some point? I don't know. And I, I don't think, I don't think, I think the so story, either, but... the story is progressing at such a speed and towards such a far off location. I think we're really getting to the point where we're, we're going to eliminate a lot of players off the board for the time between now and even the sequel trilogy, probably. I think it will. And I, I think that. I would guess that maybe because we've been dealing with one galaxy this whole time, that light speed travel doesn't get into the muck of relativistic time, but that a trip to Peridia might. So they might get to a Peridia where Ezra is a lot older or it's been, it's been a lot more time that, that they spend there. Some so that interstellar maybe, stuff. Some inter I mean, really basically, yeah, that they go, they, you know, what you can do now maybe is this whole trip to Peridia introduces all these different, I mean, the, the ships you, you have in the show notes about the space battles. And one of the coolest things about this space battle is that we've, we're clearly dealing with new technology that we haven't seen. Yes. The lasers are different. The engines are different than anything. You know, turbo lasers, blasters, all that stuff kind of has a similar sound to it all through Star Wars. These blasters and the quality of the holographic imagery on that ship are signals of new technology from, I would guess, somewhere else. And when they go to this place, it might be that while they are there to themselves for a year, outside of that time in the mainline galaxy, 
that gets them all the way past the sequel trilogy. They come back to a time where they can meet up with Ray or not. What? I love that because they were, you know, what, whatever, like that black hole thing, like a, a day is a year or whatever. And they come back right. and Ahsoka Tano is exactly, you still put Rosario Dawson in it. Let's go. I love that. It's it, like the, the, in the same way that, that I think the world between worlds is a, is the is now Lucasfilm slash Star Wars attempt to put a meta narrative over Star Wars like the multiverse is mm-hmm. over Marvel. Uh, I think similarly this this is a introduction of more realistic, relativistic light speed travel. Because again, this whole saga has been taking place in one galaxy. And we know from our own universe that there are millions of galaxies. I love it. Well, speaking of If we're going to be going to another galaxy, the reason why we're going to another galaxy, we got a lot of names. We got a lot. We've had we've had Thrawn been teased a bunch. This was the most kind of Thrawn talk because all the Thrawn talk we've gotten has been from Ahsoka or from in Mandalorian. We had other kind of uh, Imperial uh, sympathizers talking about it. But then we got to see Hera, which I just I just love Mary Elizabeth Winstead. The casting is fantastic. She's great in this. Um, really terrific she when she mentions Thrawn everyone's like clutches their pearls like oh Grand Admiral Thrawn a lot of Thrawn so you get a you get like it's it's build up you know what I mean we're building up so that even if you have not watched uh seasons three and four of Rebels you haven't read any of the Timothy the canon Timothy Zahn books the Legends Timothy Zahn books you're we're setting up this idea of that Thrawn is this menacing person and we did we did hear Bridger, we did hear Ezra Ezra a bunch of times. We don't and if somebody doesn't know what happens to Ezra, but we're getting so many clues now because we had the talk, we we saw Purgles, we saw a hyperdrive, we have a map. Thrawn's gotta show up pretty soon, right? I, I'm hoping we get him sooner than later, right? If it's like an episode seven stinger, it's gonna be a little bit like, well, what were we doing? You know what I mean? I think I think that uh, we I think of the promotional material we've seen so far, only the stuff that features Thrawn is left to see in the remaining yeah. five episodes. Mm-hmm. So I think we're we're at the gateway. We're going to get to Peridia. I think I think Thrawn pulls us through majorly the rest of the, the remaining episodes. And then I think even if he is kind of minimal here, he's got to be a major factor in the big wrap up movie uh, that they're going to be doing. Um, yeah, I, I'm very, I'm very, I'm very excited about this stuff. The mis- the mystery is building in a way that I'm like, it's I feel cool. like it's actually going to resolve and it's not just, I'm not just being strung along. Yeah, I definitely like, there's, it's interesting, you know, because Dave Filoni wasn't, has normally been working with Favreau on Mandalorian. He was, he did not work on season three and season three was, was good but definitely had some moments where they were kind of dragging their feet a little bit. And I think it's because it, because David Floney, Dave Floney wasn't there basically. I think to, to, because he, but that's one thing he posits is we might not know, like, you know, I'm like, like at times, like almost frustrated, like, but like (laughs) screaming, like, but Sabine is not a force user. Like why, why is, what is this? Give me this story. But at no point, because of his track record, at no point do I feel like we're just going to get it yada yada. Like, it's going to be explained. He's not just going to, like, 
do what the the uh, the dark saber and just like find some like loophole to give it off to <laughs> Bo-Katan and nobody ever fights over it which is like you know you have to fight someone to get the control but we're not going to do it you know it's like that old improv thing if you say like we're you're going to do something and then you don't do it like you're kind of cheating the audience you it's pull the same a kind gun of thing. you got to fire it but but yep. and may I posit this what was Chirrut Imway's connection to the force who is that? I believe that's, I believe that's uh, the blind character from oh, Donnie, Rogue One. Oh, uh, Donnie Yen from Rogue One. He he was like a priest of like a. He didn't have a connection to it, but he was like a priest. But he definitely like was. But he was one with the Force, and the Force was with him. He was, but he wasn't Force sensitive. Anyway, whatever. No, I'm just like be, just because at no point during we had seen four seasons of television. Was it ever talked about Sabine should start like, you know, hey, Ezra, let's go out and work on our lightsabers. Sabine, you want to come with us? Like, you know what I mean? It just was never there. And the fact that like she has a history with Ahsoka, it's just all fascinating stuff. But at no point do I feel like um, Dave Filoni is going to like just go like, you know, episode eight of this is going to end and we're still not going to know. You know what I mean? I, I 100% agree. I think like one, yeah, he doesn't have a history of, of leaving you flat. Unless they just like at the end of the season, they do like a Loki or like an MCU thing and being like Ahsoka will return in season two. You know, they just already do that. But either way, there's still a plan. You know what I mean? There's still an idea of where we're going, which and, we and have a literal map in this show of where we're going. So there we go. And, and speaking of the map, I've got to, I know we, uh, we talk about them all the time, but I got to throw out some love at EA Voss, Eric Voss, and New Rockstars. I don't know He's if you watched their video where he, these shows, yeah. he decoded the map in the end credits. Did you see this? No. He used some, he, he's kind of throws it away in the video, but he's like, yeah, use some basic cryptography to crack the code of what those letters say. He knows every name of every planet. It's a chart that shows where Dathomir and Yavin and Corellia and Coruscant are all in relation to one another and then shows you how they relate to Peridia. And he did that by just using basic cryptography and like linguistic skills. Like, oh, where's the repeating letters? What? OK, now we know that's an S when maybe it's maybe I, I mean, incredible. that is like incredible that's how work. I know. That's how I know the like level of dorks we are is because the whole time you were saying that, I had like the biggest smile on my face because I was like, yeah. oh, <laughs> that's super fun. Yeah, dude. I, I, that's how I felt watching this video. I, I was like, I, well, I was like mystified. They, they really, really do good, fun, engaging work over there. It's the right amount of, I think, especially the mainline new Rockstars videos, a great deep, a, the perfect level of dive for our level of fandom, I think. More deeper stuff available but you haven't seen the new rockstars videos about ahsoka and about their rebels recaps that they oh. did leading up to this are great great definitely check them out amazing work i love that we're and that is not a paid advertisement although pay us and we'll totally uh we'll totally we'll talk about you even more um i want to talk i teased that we got a great name in this show so um <laughs> for those who don't know we're gonna spoil more spoil more of rebels there was kind of a Sam and Diane thing going on between Harris and Dula and uh, Kane and Jarrus throughout the entire length of the show. I mean, of what we saw on screen, they definitely were doing a lot more 
when the cameras were off because after Kanan died, there's like a, at the last episode of rebels, there's a kind of like, here's what everyone's doing. There's a kid there. And that kid showed up in this show and in true this, I feel like, I know this was said, I think in Canon before, but the fact that this is a show that features names like Thrawn, Ahsoka, Sabine, uh, Mon Mothma. And then this kid rolls up and his name is Jason. (laughs) Yep. Unbelievable. Jason. Like just Senator, Senator, Tezuda Iono and his son William. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, just absolutely incredible stuff. It's one of my favorite things in fandom. It just seems like, you know what, guys? It's 1130 and we've been at this and we just need something to name their kid. It's only going to be on screen for like three minutes. I don't know. Fuck it. Just Jason for now. We'll think of something better later. And then they just don't. It's like that same story you told about the Ronto. It's like they Rontos and jizz. They have a, they have a placeholder. It's like, you know, it's like Frank Herbert. It's like, guys, folks, I got to get my gendered language out. Folks. I, I created an entire world. I we're 13,000 years in the future. I've got like spice and dunes. Like I can't, they can't all be winners. Okay. The guy's name is Paul. Okay. Yeah. Period I, of story. I know that I know that we're five thousand years removed from the Butlerian jihad on a planet called Arrakis, but the main guy's name is Richard. <laughs> I just loved it. So Jason shows up and says, uh, "Mom, I want to be a Jedi," and she says, "I know." And I'm this kid is half Kanan Jarrus, who, spoiler alert, was a Jedi. So if any kid is going to be force sensitive, it's this kid. So, I mean, I'm just going to say it. I'm just going to say it right now. This kid dies when the Knights of Ren blow up. Uh, <laughs> oh, school. boy. There we go. Yeah. Some green haired kid comes out and goes like, Kyle, Ben, what are you doing? And then Adam Driver goes, please be quiet. And then cuts him in half. <laughs> at least, at least J- uh, Jason gets dispatched by Benjamin. That's right. I love that too. I mean, we 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 overlooked the fact that his name is just that. Well, her name is Leia, which is a name, but Han Solo and Leia Organa have a kid. Ben, Ben. <laughs> that's that's how fast that's how fast Han Solo was in and out of the situation. It was just one noise that you that that's all the attention he could give to the naming of the kid. Ben, Ben. I don't know Ben. I don't know Ben. I mean, clearly they're trying to make some sort of like shout out to Ben Kenobi, which is weird because that's not his name. And Leia says, Obi-Wan Kenobi, help me, Obi-Wan Kenobi. You're my only hope. And Luke knew him as Ben. So why would you then name your kid Ben on that? Why not name him Obi-Wan? Whatever. You know, in, it, what in, happened? In, in, in Claudia Gray's bloodline, don't they do a flashback where, uh, where it turns out Han Solo the whole time thought his name was Ken? Do they? I don't like, read, read Bloodline. No, I just, I'm just joking. Up. I gotta tell you, <laughs> he I never knew who was Obi Wan. When we get into Hoopla, when we get into Hoopla recommendations, I, I have, a, I'm reading a canon book that is unbelievable. I mentioned it in my last. No, I sent you the, some text for it again, but I've been reading more of it. It's fantastic. The Princess awesome. and the, the Princess and the Scoundrel. 
Oh, um, well, actually, bringing a full circle, you know, the Night Sisters of Dathomir were introduced in the original book that depicted the marriage of Han Solo and uh, Princess Leia from like 25 years ago called The oh, Courtship the- of Princess Leia. Oh, wow. So it's a legends thing. That's another thing. Filoni is like, knows all of the legends, knows everything. It, this is just so much fun. I want to touch on one thing before I, I can go a little bit past than I said I was going to. It's just going to be a real quick lunch for me. Um, Purgles. We got Purgles. Another reason yeah. why I feel like if we don't at least, if we're not at least on the road to Ezra and Thrawn next episode, I don't know what we're doing because we have it all there. We have a we have a big circle thing that is supposed to be like a, a portal. I think it's the perfect size to actually fit a purgle. I think they're gonna freaking ride a purgle. That's what I'm that's what I'm hoping. Fingers crossed. Yeah. It's a big open circle there. Ride that purgle, baby. But if you don't know, purgles are these kind of space whales that fly around. They're like whales up front, octopus in the back. They fly, but they just like all travel. my erotic dreams. Yep, this is this is every every fanfic. It, it, to, it, this is it. This is like a, all those Japanese animations where people <laughs> fuck octopuses. Anyway, um, they travel via light speed, uh, and they they go a certain path, which is what this this thing that Morgan is building is supposed to follow the Purgle path, because that's at the way um, uh, Rebels ended was a purgle was wrapped around Thrawn's ship. I think literally around Thrawn, the actual like tentacles and he and Ezra jetted away, but we don't know where the purgles go. Where do the purgles go? That's a shirt right there. Where do the purgles go? Where do the purgles? I'm a purgle. Tell me where to bust. Um, They, they, they do. They definitely reproduce. Oh yeah. There's big ones and small ones. There's Star Wars. They things F on Star Wars. We just saw Jason, so we know that like you know, um, what are Twi'leks and humans can get it on. Like we said, if you're walking, if you're walking upright, you can fuck in Star Wars. I'm, I'm, (laughs) man. Yeah, I, I I think, I think if this thing caps off in any satisfactory way, it's got to include hot purgle on purgle action action they gotta make one uh so we're there i mean we are all the tools we have to actually get to thrawn and ezra are all there we got purgles we got a hyperdrive we got a map we we are ready to go and that i feel like that's we're either going to be on the road to them or we're going to open up on them maybe it's just the whole next episode just opens with thrawn and then we're going i don't know who knows but it's everything is this tape this was ta- as i said in the beginning table setting this is the table has been set now let's eat i'm i'm there baby i got my knife and my fork and i'm like scraping them together like in a cartoon i've taped i've I've tied the end (laughs) of the tablecloth around my neck as a bib uh (laughs) i'm gonna put a whole turkey in my mouth and withdraw the skeleton uh that is my my ahsoka viewing i love it i love it alex this is a pretty easy question here is this star wars or star trek this is the Star Warsiest Star Wars that's ever. This is so Star Wars it's almost um a 2001. You know what I'm saying? Like the or or whatever. Like what was the metric? I, I came up with that metric where something that was neither but was better than both, or something that was neither and worse than both. And I think that this is this is ascending Star Wars, but wrapped in what we know of it. It's it's so good. Yeah, this is this is this is 55 million percent Star Wars. Uh, who's your big winner this episode? 
I, I think that Rosario Dawson is doing such mm-hmm. an incredible job of hitting every single mark she needs to hit. Uh, the space lightsaber battle cut off the wing of the spaceship. Oh, was... we didn't even touch on that. That was so freaking awesome. Like that a Jedi. Sequence. Holy shit. She just goes like, I'm going to take care of this. We've never seen a Jedi just be like put on a space suit and just like fight spaceships with their swords. They should be able to do that. That makes perfect sense. Oh my God. I mean, fan freaking tastic. She and Anakin pulled that on the deck of a Venator class star destroyer. That's right. With the tanks on the, you know, but I, I, and again, it works. I guess Filoni goes, yeah, the whole thing was a cartoon to begin with. If it worked in clone wars, it'll work in live action. We just got to shoot it. Right. I, I, I'm just excited. Outfit watch too. her, her spacesuit was fantastic. That like, was the coolest, one of the coolest looking costumes of Star Wars ever. So cool. I, I would buy that. I would wear a jumpsuit. I, I've been looking for a, a, a jumpsuit for a man for a long time. It's hard to find. They make tons of them for women. Make it for a man. I don't care. I'll just buy a women's large and do it anyway. Who cares? It's all just sizing, right? Um, yeah, That's my what big I've winner, always said. Yeah, right. Uh, yeah, Rosario's been fantastic. I think she's even done some good, some cool kind of voice work to kind of not necessarily like the pitch of her voice, but the tempo that she speaks. She clearly yes. like watched like a ton of the great work that was done um, in both uh, every in animated version of her. Um, yeah, I think that's my big. No, I think my big winner's got to be Jason. We got to get. We got. We got to. I just. There's just. It's, it's never not funny to me, and I know the kid's name is Jason. But like hearing it said is God, it just warms my heart. I feel like it's a joke being done just for me. It's really fantastic. I love it. Keep putting normal names in your Guga and you get a thumbs up from me. I think it's the only thing you can do because Star Wars was one of those first kind of science fiction properties along with Dune that it wasn't like we have to go to the planet Bleeplorp and meet Maximus. You know, you <laughs> you either you either you you have to pair your Arrakis. Every Arrakis has a Paul. You know what I'm saying? Every Darth well, I mean, Vader Luke, has a Jason. I mean, Luke, Luke Skywalker. I mean, you know, there is like a normal name there, but it was like, you know, it's Luke. Luke and Leia are normal. But then you got Han and Chewbacca and Darth Vader and moth tarkin and stuff and and then stanley (laughs) and then mike get in here mike (laughs) i told you i want to be called michael hey whatever you know what as far as i'm concerned you're mike and no one's telling me any different no sit down and shut up i gotta get back to this meeting mike anyway the um, force or whatever Obvious loser again. We're in space. There's no reason why, you know, whatever. We're in full blown. We got flying whale octopi. Why can't, like, in the middle of the Purgles, just have Sam's boat jizz, I almost said jizz by, whiz by and go, doot, doot. Why not? It's a little Easter egg. A little Easter egg for the folks. There's no reason. It's just absurd. I want to see the boat jizz. And it's, it, it, you're right. And I, I think that those spaceships, the boat, doesn't, the boat of... doesn't know where to buzz. <laughs> yeah give us a boat give us the boat bust our boat let's do it bust our boat all right uh, we've got another uh ad read from uh spanish spanish day spanish mike What's spanish his name? nick it's spanish, spanish Nick's nick. all night party cabin on the virgin voyages cruise uh and he he'll let you connect to his bluetooth speaker and uh <laughs> you can you you can even watch the flash on max together 
he Spanish Mike, he Spanish Nick, he sprung for the super rock star internet package. And Spanish Nick wants you to know when you watch The Flash, he won't do The Flash's name to you. <laughs> so that's Spanish Nick's all night party cabin. That's 10254A near the aft elevators on dick, deck 10. Dick 10. I don't know why the having connected the Bluetooth speaker just kills me. What a funny, what a funny ass line. That's hilarious. 1.1 million views in the first day the Flash got on Max. So I'm sorry to everybody who watched it. Cool for um, them. You know what time it is now? Oh, I it's my favorite time of the week, buddy. Game time. Let's go. Another point to the sky point. Here we go. Game time. It's got slash, that great count. Bop, bop, yep. bop, bop. Yeah. Game time slash Kenny doing jokes. Oh, whoa. You ready? Let's do it. We are on the fan controlled sports entertainment network. And I thought, are there sports in fandom? Yes, there are. So we're going to play a game about it. It's called Guga Ball. <laughs> and it's simple. <laughs> I'm going to describe a sport to you. And you have to tell me if it exists in the Cape space. Okay. You ready? Okay. Yes. Limmy or Bolo ball. Two teams play against each other, trying to score a goal. Single points are awarded for each goal. Actions like kicks, headers, and physical contact in the form of tackles are allowed. Is this a sport in fandom? Yes. Yes, it is. It's from Star Wars Legends Canon. In Mandoa, the game is called Mesh Geroya. The beautiful game in zero BBY, the Galactic Cup was put on hiatus after the destruction of Alderaan and Team Alderaan was dissolved. Makes perfect sense. I don't really feel like Team Alderaan could have still gone on, but hey, it's uh, yeah, they were dissolved, dissolved just like their planet, I guess. Yeah, exactly. You ready, number two? Yes, Parisi's Squares. A vigorous and rather violent athletic game played by people from many worlds and ages during the 24th century. Is this a sport in fandom? I'm going to say yes, and it's from Star Trek. Yes, it is from Star Trek TNG, baby. And when playing Parisi Squares, players wore padded uniforms and used a piece of equipment called an ion mallet. The game also involved a ramp, and if players were not careful, they could fall off and injure themselves. I, this is like I, I uh, Go ahead. I think my gra- my grandfather had a skin tag removed with an ion mallet. Exactly. This is like the most gugai guga. Like you, yeah. you you've gone into the guga to make up a sport, and it is the most gugai of the gugas. You're right. Ready for the next one? And and only a nerd would come up with a sport where they're squares and you're still covered head to toe in padding. I'm ready for the <laughs> next game. <laughs> Number three, bark ball. In ancient times, the great tree, <clears throat> excuse me, would host feats of strength, including this team sport that used a ball made out of bark from the great tree. Is this a sport in fandom? Yes. No, it's not. Here's a fun fact about growing old, though. You watch sports differently when you get old. This is just me <laughs> doing stand up now. Like, it's one thing when you're in your 20s. And every athlete, for the most part, is around the same age as you. And you're like, oh, man, I could still do that. You know, I could just get me in the gym. Give me like three a day, three to four days to work on my jumper. And I could probably go play in a small European country. 
But then when you get older, like your 30s and then even into your 40s, you're like, well, who can I relate to now? And then it's a sad day when you realize, oh, the coach. Um, <laughs> ready for number four? Yes, I am. <laughs> Name of the sport is Velocity, a one-on-one competitive sport that was a cross between handball and a phaser range. Is this sport in fandom? Yes. It is, also from Star Trek. Each player must avoid being hit by a disc by shooting it and sending it back towards their opponent. It was fast pa- It was a fast-paced game of wit and physical endurance with both players in constant motion, ducking and spinning. Amazing. Uh, we, we all we all know how much wit that activity requires. <laughs> yeah, ducking and spinning. So much wit. All right, you ready for the next one? Let's do it. Mantis. It's a yearly team hunt for the giant mantis of Rantrum, where the losing team has to clean up the mantis carcass. Is this a sport in fandom? No, because it doesn't involve a corcus. Hundred <laughs> percent, it doesn't involve a corcus. Yeah. No, it is not. <laughs> But like, I mean, what does a head football coach actually do? You know, as far as I can tell, they just cross their arms and look stoic. The defensive coordinator is screaming. The offensive coordinator is either giving signals from the sideline or crammed in some booth calling plays like they're they're being punished. Meanwhile, the head coach is just standing there. And look, I get it. They say that if you total up all the actual time from whistle to whistle in a football game, it's only 17 minutes of actual game action. So if I was forced to stand for four hours and I'm only going to see 17 minutes of actual gameplay, I'd probably stand like that too. <laughs> that one doesn't work as well. Okay, number ready for the next one? Yes. Number six, riot racing. Fairly absent of rules, racers could mount laser cannons on their speeders to shoot other racers off the track or destroy them. Is this a sport in fandom? Oh, yeah, it's from the, the Bad Batch. It is. It's from the Bad Batch. Well done. I think when it comes to the coaching, it does has to do something with the game itself. Like baseball managers look like they have absolutely everything better to do than to watch a baseball game. <laughs> Yet they're the only game where they wear the same uniforms as the players are you going to go in there can you imagine if a football coach had to be in full pads and a helmet still standing there with their arms folded basketball coach since the game is so up and down they're up and down you know they stand when there is action and then oh no a free throw i gotta sit down for this oh he missed it time to stand back up also what if basketball coaches wore a tank top and shorts and that is ball. yeah yeah yeah, they should have to at least wear a sweatband or something. I, I, this is, that's more, I don't know if I got to work on those bits, but I, it is always fascinating to me. Like, I, this is a recent thing where I was just like, what is that head coach doing? Like, it always cuts to them. They're just like kind of sitting there, just like watching, going like, oh, oh boy. They're, they're just yeah. thinking, oh, those million, those millionaires are fighting again. Yeah, but then it's like they cut to like the defensive coordinator and they're just like losing their minds, like screaming, shouting. They have some like big giant card that they're like constantly like doing signals for. Cut back to coach who just has his arms folded going like, hmm, well, playing this game still. All right, great. Anyway. <laughs> they, that's what they pay uh, you to keep your pulse low. Yeah, yeah, exactly. All right, we got to gotta wrap this up. I got to get on a phone call in, two, in 15 minutes and still eat lunch. Um. 
Hoopla recommendations. This is the point of the show where we talk about Hoopla. You can put in your library card into this, into the app, into the, into the web, and you can read. Ooh, big old burp there. Uh, read comics digitally. Alex, you got a recommendation for the folks. I do. I, I dove into Jonathan Hickman's uh, X-Men Ooh. series that's it's completely available on uh, Hoopla. I think it's three or four volumes plus the uh, the sort of crossover X of Swords that's by a bunch of different artists, but uh, or it's X of Swords, Ten of Swords or something. It's just a really I like Hickman as a writer and uh, you you do well to uh, to follow his X-Men uh, world. Yeah, Hickman, arguably one of the best comic writers of the past 20 years. Almost everything he writes is fantastic. Um, I teased it. This I don't know if this is even on Hoopla, but I know it's on Libby, another app you can put your... But I've been diving, diving into this book by Beth Rebus. It's now official Star Wars canon. It's called The Princess and the Scoundrel. And not only do we get Han Solo's bachelor party, we get Han and Leia's wedding, which happens on Andor shortly after um the battle of endor they get married right after and then mon mothma sends them on a honeymoon and guess what their honeymoon is an intergalactic cruise so they're on a cruise ship and but guess what happens they get into some trouble but where i am right now han is currently playing sabak with an imperial supervisor in like the lower decks and it's just it's it's like the kind of stuff that like this should not be a movie this should not be a television show. Like it's not that compelling, but as a book and the cover looks like my, my wife picked it up for me from the library. And she was like, are you reading a romance? It looks like a full blown romance novel. It's, it's great. Awesome. It's so fun. It is, it is a story that you 100% didn't know that you needed, but now that you have it, it's pretty great. So I recommend it. it is, Princess the, and the Scoundrel. Is the cruise on the Halcyon? It is on the Halcyon. How did you know that? That's the Is Disney that like- cruise. That was the, that was the Disney Star Wars resort. So that was the placement in lore of the the yacht that you were supposedly staying on in the now defunct Star Wars resort. Yeah, which which just closed. Yeah, that's incredible. Yeah, it's called the Halcyon. It's like uh, it's brand new. Princess Leia is like a celebrity because she's like you know the big. Uh, she's a big war person. She's also the Princess of Alderaan. So she's like, and Han's like off drinking at the bar and then finds himself in a you know underground sabacc game it's it's fantastic it's just really really great you get like some you get like some uh hans like how he 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 has a fake tell and how he like loses a couple hands to make him think he doesn't know how he's playing like it's just stuff that you didn't know that you needed but you totally need it's great um i'm into it we have one more ad read from uh spanish nick yeah, Spanish Nick's All Night Party Cabin uh, just wants to let you know, if he falls asleep before you leave, just throw all of the pills on the bathroom counter into his surely wide open mouth. Spanish Nick's doctor says his acid reflux is contagious and not in any way medically containable. So that's that's Spanish Nick's All Night Party Cabin. And again, he wants you to please come. And he spelled it C-U-M-B. Thank you so much, Spanish Nick. Oh, my God. I still love that he will let you <laughs> connect to his Bluetooth speaker. <laughs> yeah, God, that makes pretty me cool. laugh. That makes me laugh so much. Um, uh, Alex, what did your dogs think of episode three of Ahsoka? 
uh, Millie was watching uh, watching Ahsoka and, and being kind of a very powerful with it person. And she looked at me and said, total Sag energy. So I think she, my dog <laughs> thinks Sag that Ahsoka, I think she thinks that Ahsoka is a Sagittarius. Oh, I get that. As a Sagittarius, I get that. Um, my dog, uh, Mabel, was just like chilling in the other room. And at no point did she ever come out of the room. So... You know, uh, she seems, it seems with, with most Star Wars content, she is all the way out. Was my wife in the bedroom? And that might have been the reason why she's in there because she follows my wife around? Yeah, totally. But, you know, if she was really into something, she would have left, you know, the comfort of her mom's side to come and watch it, but she didn't. So there we go. We, um, we can only judge people by their actions and doubly so with dogs. Oh, we can diss the shit out of our dogs. Um, Alex, where can the folks find you? Uh, at Duke underscore midnight on uh, every every uh, less than totally on fire fascist uh, pig pile. <laughs> exactly. Uh, you can find me at Kenny G Donut King on threads, which is owned by a weirdo. But it's definitely not. It's weird that Mark Zuckerberg is like, it, comparatively speaking, is like, you know, Princess Leia is, you know, <laughs> immaculate. Well, it's, almost, it's almost like having to choose between Donald Trump and Joe Biden, but I don't want to get into anything too Whoa, deep. Oh, but yes. Anyway, yeah. So you can find me at Kenny G. Donut, Jonah, Kenny G. Donut King on Instagram and threads. I am Kenny G. Stevenson on TikTok and Twitch. Alex, we did it. What an amazing time. Um, it's so great to be back, you know, in the Cape space with you. It's so great. I, it's It's made my whole corcus full of joy <laughs> if you take nothing else away from this show please take a corcus <laughs> all right on that note bye everybody goodbye bye to your, bye to your corcus <laughs>